You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? We are back again with another episode that I am sure will inspire you to do one thing, and that is take action. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming my friend, Mr. Chris Ducker, to the show. Chris, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? What's up, Dream Nation? I hope you're doing very good. Is that good? It's not as cool without an American accent. That's the thing. Us Brits, we tend to make things a little boring, I think. Hello, Dream Nation. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. So no, I, I love the accent. And absolutely, <laughs> when you're listening at this, you need to pick me up. Depending on when you're listening or sure. watching, you want something that's different. You want something that's unique. You want something that's going to say, okay, let me listen at this a little bit. So Let's I'm glad it. of the energy that you've already brought on. <laughs> I always like to make sure that we give the proper introduction to every guest. And the way that I do that is by comparing us as entrepreneurs and thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. And the reason being is because constantly we're putting on a cape We're flying around the world a lot of the times and we're trying to solve the biggest problems that we can find. And so we all know of Superman, but behind Mm. every Superman, there's a Clark Kent. So what I want to ask you is behind Chris Ducker, who is Clark Kent? Oh, good one. I don't know. I I think that I'm going to say that, you know, on a very serious note, like what you with me is generally what you get. Mm. And... It's almost to the point where I, I, I think Clark and Superman with me are just amalgamated together. I, I don't think there are. I don't think there is that split personality or that alter ego, so to speak. I, I guess I, if, I, if I wanted to be a superhero, if I wanted to have those superhero type tendencies, I, I would just you know, like, I morph myself into Bruce Lee or something like that and just <laughs> kick some butt that way. But I'm uh, genuinely, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am very much you know, shooting from the hip pretty much every time I open my mouth, which is what you get. If you don't like what you're getting, you can skip. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And I am too old and too fuddy-duddy, as we would say here in England, and, and too long in the tooth to change at this point in my life i'm in my you know mid to late 40s now uh, yeah if i was going to do any if i was going to change in any way that would have been done a long time ago 
Got it. I love it. Now, talk to me about when you were growing up, because now you've been you've had the ability to do multiple things, everything from leading businesses around virtual assistants to building brands and to being a high profile speaker. But like when you were growing up, was this the dream that you had? Are you fulfilling that or was it by accident that now you've become who you are? Well, I wanted to do two things when I was growing up. The first thing I wanted to do was become a pro basketball player. And in England, hoops is not a game. Like like we play it at school and stuff, but it's not a big sport like it is, say, in the United States. We have rugby. We've got football or a soccer, as you guys will call it over there. And we have cricket, which is potentially one of the most boring, sleep-inducing sports on the planet. Right. And so when you were you know, 12, 13, you discover the game of basketball for the first time, you realize, actually, I'm not too bad at this. I feel like not only can I shoot the J, but I can dribble. I can pass behind my back. I got a little Magic Johnson in me. This is okay. I can take it to the hole and all that kind of fun stuff. And the fact of the matter is, that's genuinely what I want to do. Like all my teens, all, all my through my teen years 16 17 all the way up to 18 i just wanted to play ball that's all i wanted to do man and i i represented my country in an under 21 tournament we played in front of eight and a half thousand people at wembley arena it was amazing i played for clubs i played for schools i captained my high school all that fun stuff but it's still basketball and it's england and there ain't no money in it at all like even the pro players have like regular jobs (laughs) that was kind of that was shot down almost immediately. And then the other thing I really wanted to do was I, I, I wanted to publish a magazine. Like I genuinely wanted to get into publishing. And uh, although I never got, a, I, I never got around having like a full-blown worldwide distributed magazine, I did have a magazine. I did publish a magazine for many years, six or seven years. And it was called Hong Kong Superstars. And it was a magazine aimed towards people that were fans of uh, Hong Kong cinema. So if you were a Jackie Chan or a Jet Li or a Bruce Lee fan or Chow Yun Fat and all these, John Woo, all these big... Hong Kong movie stars. If you like these guys, you would buy my magazine. And you know, that was like kind of my two things that I really wanted to do. Still play ball every now and then, but probably not good enough to go pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not probably not in your late 40s. Uh, it's well, tough for anybody exactly. to I mean, go why pro. Not, right? <laughs> I'm young at heart. That's all that matters. <laughs> that is all that matters. And if you can still shoot the jumper, there's a lot of leagues out there that I'm sure you can find a spot for hey, you. It's the shooting I'm fine with. It's the running around <laughs> that I have a problem with. <laughs> right. You might make it in the NBA then because we know they don't play a lot of defense until you get around the playoff time. True. So all you got to do is just really sag back, hope that they don't knock down jumpers, so then you'll fit in with everyone else. There you go. Now we're talking. Now, the things that I heard out of that, and correct me, is were you looking for stardom at an early age? Because it sounds like, like I mean, basketball, I'm imagining you got exposed to it because were you watching it in the U.S.? Because obviously over here, basketball is huge, right? Just like football and baseball, but it's big. So then you also develop this magazine where you're trying to, in a sense, you know, still profile the biggest of names when you talk Jackie Chan, when you talk Jet Li. So for Mm -hmm. you, was it always, hey, I wanted to do something big? I think retrospectively, looking back on it, particularly with Hong Kong superstars, and we we did movie, you know, we did movie premieres with Jackie and Jet in London. I was, I hung out with them, like broke bread and posed for silly photos and all that kind of fun stuff. And it was, without a doubt, one of the, the most 
fun times, uh, that sort of five, six years or so. Traveled to Hong Kong a whole bunch of times as well. And, Met, uh, went know, to movie sets like, at like, 1 a.m. Because Hong Kong is a very noisy place. So they shoot everything at night because right? mm. otherwise just too much noise. And um, they dub everything back over in the editing suite after. And I mm -hmm. genuinely wanted... My whole thing back in those days is actually quite similar to what I do now. And that is I wanted to bring like-minded people together to explore the things that they were passionate about together to solve similar problems that they might be having. You know, back in the day, it was finding the latest Jet Li movie on VCD uh, or VHS, right? Yeah. Now it's figuring out how to write an incredibly high converting landing page for their website. It doesn't matter what it is per se. My focus has always been around wanting to bring people together. And I think that's definitely, there's definitely a correlation there between what I was doing with Hong Kong Superstars and what I'm doing now with Upreneur and Virtual Staff Finder and everything, everything else that I do. I will say on the, on the stardom front and the whole, you know, the whole basketball thing, for me, when I first discovered basketball, it was not in the United States. It was actually through an American friend of mine at high school. So he, he was the cool American kid that came over with his mom and dad and just happened to go to high school in London. And so I, I just became buddies with him. And one day it was like, we were playing netball, which is like the girl version of basketball. There's no backboard, right? And so um, we were playing netball and he, everyone else was shooting with two hands but he was shooting the way you shoot a basketball. And so I was like, what is that? Like, and he was just draining. Like, he was just dropping them for everywhere. I was like, who's this kid? His name, I'll never forget the guy's name. His name was Javier. I think his dad was from France or something. But um, he, and he started, I was like, oh, that's the way you shoot a ball. You shoot a ball like that. And so that was how I discovered it. And, but what happened was basketball not being big here, the only time we ever had NBA on TV over here was if you, A, had satellite, which nobody could afford back in those days, particularly mom and, my mom and dad couldn't afford it for sure. Or once a year around the playoffs and finals times, we would have okay. like a 30 minute magazine highlight show screened at like 1am on BBC two, which okay. is way down the list. Right? And so that's how I really started watching the NBA. And I'll never forget it. It was the Celtics versus the Pistons at the garden. And I was half Irish. My mom is in Dublin. There's a leprechaun on the court. Then I became a Celtics fan. Oh, there you go, right there. So that's how it all came about. And but one thing is, you said it's similar to what I'm doing now, where I love to bring together like-minded people. Do yes. you feel like you always had a passion that was maybe made you feel like an outlier that you then created this brand, you created the solution out of a um, frustration is the best way to put it. Because you did when you were younger, and then all of a sudden you go to Hong Kong. And now because you felt like you didn't have your own tribe. And the reason why I, I wanted to ask that is because there's a lot of people right now, because of this pandemic, no matter mm -hmm. where they are, that they're being exposed to something new, whether it's digital marketing and landing pages, like you said, or whether it's real estate or whatever, but their surrounding that they come from, is not talking about that. So now they're feeling like, okay, my energy, my passion is bringing me over here, but I don't know necessarily how to connect the two. Do I have to go create something or what's the way that I find my tribe? Well, I think well, to know, find the tribe, you've got to create. Like to, to be able to attract the tribe, to be able to attract people into your ecosystem, you've got to create regardless. But I, I don't agree 
with everything that my friend Gary Vaynerchuk says, uh, but um, I do agree with some of the things that he says because he's right, a very right. smart guy. And when he says his document don't create thing, mm -hmm. I believe that's true. I think people are more voyeuristic today than ever before in the history of media period you know if you go all the way back to like mtv cribs and mtv what was it real world or real life or whatever it was i can't remember whatever real reality world. tv show they had you know, you've got the kardashians now you've got you know selling sunset and all these other big shows right we are a voyeuristic society nowadays we want to look into other people's lives so the document side of thing yes absolutely and by the way regardless of how boring you think your your world your life is it ain't that boring to other people that don't know you. So you should absolutely mm. do that. But secondly, I believe that might be enough to be able to get somebody's attention. But to get them to hit that follow button and to get them to hit that subscribe button and to get them to go ahead and hit that download button, you're going to do a lot more than just document. You do need to create. You need to create helpful, valuable, original content that can genuinely help solve people's problems and give them answers to their questions. And really, when, when I think about being an entrepreneur, and you could think about being a real estate agent or whatever it is, like you are there to solve somebody's problems, plain and simple. You've got a family, two, oh, yeah. you, you've got a mom, you've got a dad, you've got three kids, they want a pool, they want a half a court to shoot around, and they need to be within 10, you know, 10 minutes of, of the local school and, and no more than 30 minute commute to the guy's job. There's a lot of problems you've got to solve right there as a real estate agent. And you better go find that property for them. Otherwise, you ain't getting that commish, plain right. and simple. Thanks. So like for me, I, I look at that from an entrepreneurial perspective, particularly with what we do at youpreneur.com, which is really focused around helping people build a genuine future-proof business around their personality, their experience, their expertise, what they stand for, the people that they want to serve. So it's people like real estate guys and girls, it's authors, it's speakers, it's consultants, it's coaches, it's content creators from any and all platforms that you can think of. And when I look at what we do, ultimately, yes, we're bringing these people together in a similar environment so they can all get to know each other and help each other out. But at the end of the day, what we're really doing here is solving a problem. And at the very core of every entrepreneur is exactly that. It's that problem-solving focus. I love it. Now, talk to me about you created multiple businesses. How mm. did you like, did you create one or did you create them simultaneously? And you just decided that you were going to build multiple businesses, but just keep them separate? Because this is something that right now, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs, they're working on their personal brand, they're working on building a business. And they're trying to say, okay, if I'm told that I need to be building a media company, which is essentially what you said, that everybody is always interested oh, yeah. in curious about what's going on in our lives. How, if I want to build two different businesses, how do I do that? Is there a way to do it or do I got to focus on the one and then five years from now I could start to put in the other? You can do it. It's tough, but you can do it. You can do it through delegation, plain simple. I mean, I, I built my first business, which is a large call center in the Philippines about 350 odd staff at any time during the year, still owning and operating that business now. It's uh, 12 years. We've had our best year ever in 2019. 2020, yeah, maybe not so good. But nonetheless, we had our best year ever last year. We've still got hundreds and hundreds of people work for us. And I built that business up. We had our first seven figure year uh, going into our third 
year. So it took us two full years of operations to hit that seven-figure number, which is kind of the holy grail, right? Like a seven-figure business owner. (laughs) But then I burnt out. I burnt out as a direct result of doing exactly that, doing nothing but throwing myself into the business. So I was doing 16-hour days, six days a week for probably a year and a half or so. And I was a total physical and mental, emotional mess, quite frankly. Got myself better, spent a little time in hospital on an IV to to take care of acute dehydration, Mm -hmm. little antidepressant action going on there for a little while to get my way out of it. But after about three or four months of therapy on my lower back, which I ended up unfortunately having to have uh, surgery on, but you put all that stuff to one side, what I truly did is I read as well, one, I can't continue to run the business like this. In fact, actually, I'm not running the business. The business is running me, clearly. And number two, if I want to grow it any further, I cannot remain the bottleneck in all these different roles that I've unfortunately ended up just working myself into. And so in 2010, we put this goal in place for myself to ultimately remove myself as much as possible day-to-day from the business. By the end of that year, we hired eight people to replace me. So you can see how many different hats I was wearing. However, through the course of 2010, with that delegation focus coming into play, we also opened up the doors to Virtual Starfinder, which is our VA recruitment hub. We're just literally celebrating 10 years of that business right now. So what was the first part of the business? So the first part was the call center. That was a lift to sell group. That's That's the mothership, right? So we have the lift to sell group, which is ultimately an outbound and an inbound customer service type of call center. So we work with everybody from clients from the educational world into real estate, into web development, you name it. Anybody that needs a phone answered or appointments set or chat requests taken care of, that sort of type of thing, that's what we do. It's very B2B all the way. Virtual Staff Finder was set up really because there was a gap in the market between stressed out, busy entrepreneur and really good Filipino-based or Philippines-based VAs. Right. And we just ended up being the gap uh, or rather the bridge, you know, to take care of that gap. And we're 10 years in and we're still doing incredibly, incredibly well. You, you called the, I was building those two businesses up for a little while. And then quite by accident, the personal brand element started coming into play. And I was blogging and podcasting at chrisducker.com. Uh, from about 2013 or so. And slowly but surely, a book deal came in for the first book, Virtual Freedom. Then the speaking invites started coming. And then all of the interview and the media. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is weird. And then people are reaching out. They're saying, oh, can you teach me how to build a personal brand? And I was like, I don't know how to build a personal brand. Mm, And I just stumbled over it. And then in 2015, we opened the doors to Youpreneur, which is ultimately a personal brand business education company now. Wow. So for was there a mentor or was it purely just you having to have a talk with God about, listen, you can't keep running it this way? Because a lot of people, just as you said, they want to be entrepreneurs, so they get in, but they find themselves being solopreneurs. And I think mm-hmm. the best way that I first heard about it was reading the book E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And he talks about the three personalities that's within everyone, right? The manager, the executioner, the 
the guy who's got to do it. And then also the entrepreneur who's the visionary. And so yeah. for you, was there somebody who said, Chris, listen, I love you, my man. You got to take a step back. Stop working in your business to work on it. Or was it just truly through in your real, your rehabilitation process where you maybe felt, because a lot of people, it's just like athletes is what I think. And a lot of people, they'll just be like, okay, I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to come back the second time and I'll work harder. What was right. that for you? Uh, I think it was a combination of like I knew I was burning out. Honestly, man, I, I knew I was burning out. Or 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 at least I knew I was headed for it. Right? Like right. when you're not when you've been active your whole life and you're not working out no more. When you've slept really well all your life and you're lucky if you get five, six hours, uh, when you rarely drank a cup of coffee and all of a sudden you're doing four or five a day and your diet has gone out the window as well, like headed for something. And looking right. back on it retrospectively, those were all the warning signs, right? Poor diet, you know, eating at my desk, not working out, sitting in a chair 15, 16 hours a day, et cetera. Honestly, the big wake up call was not like one morning, I literally couldn't get out of bed. My body just said, nope, I'm done. I need a break. And my wife had to call our company doctor who was the one who admitted me to hospital for acute exhaustion and dehydration. So I was in the hospital on an IV for liquids and all the rest of it for a while. And then, you know, just by, because of the medical coverage that we had an MRI done because I told them I was being, you know, I was sitting at my desk all day long. Oh, we should check your back when you're here. It's all covered. It's all covered. Okay, great. Yeah. Do the scan, take the x-rays, do what you got to do. And then I realized, holy crap, I got a herniated disc. I didn't even know mm. it was like that far away from going into my sciatic nerve right. and all this kind of stuff. And so I think it was the combination of honestly medical advice and my wife saying it ain't worth it. Like you're mm. running your yourself into the floor here. We've got kids like this is not, it's genuinely not like you're no good to no one, including the business and the people we employ if you can't perform properly. So I think it was a combination of you know, medical professionals saying I needed to make some changes and my wife, you know, you deal know. with wives. Oh, come on. We know the deal. <laughs> right. You know, how high do you want me to jump, darling? <laughs> yeah, it was that combination. Today, though, through the years, there have been times we've been working on projects. So we run a big conference in London every year called the Youpreneur Summit, which is sold out months in advance every year. That is a stressful time. Right. There are, we have coaching programs with our Upreneur Incubator. That can sometimes be quite stressful because when you're working with all these people around the world and from time to time, I find myself maybe just slipping a little bit here and there. I'm only human at the end of the day, right. but I have a great support network with my wife and my kids and with my own peer group. I'm friends with a lot of very smart, influential people that are able to rein me in. And we all rein each other in. You know, we all rain each other. Like I remember I was having a Zoom call with my buddy Lewis Howes about, I don't know, maybe six, seven weeks ago. And we were just hanging out and I'm laying back in my chair and I'm chatting and he turns around and he goes, um, have you eaten too many cookies recently? Like, what are you talking about? He said, you got a little bit of a belly developing there. You know? And I'm like, oh my God, he's like calling me out. Right. Like this, no, you don't understand, Lewis. You don't have kids. This is just a dad bod. You're not in a position to like, you know, what right. do you think I did? I hit the cross trainer like a mofo that night. I was just going to work this out. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, it, it certainly helps to have those kind of friends that are just going to give it to you real upfront like that. Respect. I respect that. 
Yeah, no, and and I got still my buddies, and you appreciate that as you get older because you start to understand that there's so many yes men, and people just genuinely don't want the confrontation. They don't want to make you feel like yep. that you are inferior, so they just don't say anything. And right. so the other thing is, you need those people if they know that you have potential. It's just like your kid. Right. I got two son, and now my daughter, and we want them to try to maximize their potential. That's why we put them in everything when they're young, whether it's sports, dance, um, um, choir doesn't matter because we want to see how can you be the greatest version of them of yourself right? Right. and so same thing like i'm sure lewis saw you and he said hey i know what type of competitor you are and it looks like you're getting a little bit laxed over there you sitting back you got the angle showing and it's like, like you need those people in your life and if you don't have those people in your life you gotta go find a group of people who are going to challenge you because otherwise you'll have some type of regret at the end of the day to be like did i really go after after everything I could have. That's right. Absolutely. And that's that accountability. You know, that's honestly, that's what keeps, I, th I think that's what keeps almost all high achievers continuing to want to achieve more um, and yeah. to learn more. Like I often say that you know, as leaders, we've got to continue to learn in order to continue to lead. And yes. I truly, honestly stand by that and believe that 120%, which is why I read two, three books a month. It's why I'm listening to audio books as and when I can, when I'm traveling, when it's not illegal to travel, right. all this kind of stuff. So I, I think it's incredibly important to have those friends around to bring you in as and when you need to. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking, I'm a pretty self-motivated guy. I don't really need people to kick me up the ass too much to, to, to take action on goals. Yeah. And I think that's why they got to stay it because when all of a sudden it sees that you're slipping and that self-motivation is lacking, which it does for all of us, you got to point that out. But so one thing I, I want to ask is you, now you had to go and hire eight people, right? To then replace yourself. What was that like? Was that a strip? Because I'd imagine the reason why you wasn't doing it before and correct me if I'm wrong, was there a little bit that you didn't want to relinquish the control? A little bit, like all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I was, and I guess probably it's almost, and I don't use this term lightly, it's like a recovering addict to a certain mm. degree. Right? If you love bourbon and you want to drink a bottle of bourbon every single night, you know, you're an alcoholic. Right? So the, the, it's, if you want to control every single aspect, every single department of your business, you are a micromanager. There's no other way to look at it. You are a micromanager. And you know, just like alcoholics are going to have their issues with health, you know, a micromanager is going to have issues in, the, in terms of the health of their business. And that's, you know, I, I, that's why I say I'm still a micromanager. Deep down, I think I probably still am. The only difference is that I've taught myself you know, what I need to do to check myself every now and then. Um, I also have great team around me. We've got incredible SOPs in place to make sure that pretty much everything other than what I should be doing, which falls into two categories nowadays, coaching and creating content, that's it. Everything else is handled by the team and we all know that. Right? So I think everything was tough for me, man. Every, like I was doing the recruiting. I was doing the training. I was doing the marketing. I was doing the sales. I was walking around the IT server room like I knew what the cables were doing. Like it was, it was out of control. And that's why I ended up getting sick and burning out, plain simple. Uh, so yeah, it was tough. Every single bit of it was tough. I was your very your quintessential type A micromanaging entrepreneur, plain and simple. It was very hard to do that. But I believe it was without a doubt the best thing that ever happened to me because once you get into that mindset of delegation, 
it's actually quite hard to get out of it. Some call it laziness. Some call it being smart. But like anything lands in my inbox, something lands on my desk, the first thing almost always that I'll ask myself now is, can someone else do this for me? And that's generally, you know, that's come about, honestly, of just 10 years of just consistently tweaking procedures, tweaking habits, making sure that things get done by the right people at the right time and trying to avoid you know, meddling, you know, trying to avoid getting involved when I shouldn't get involved, which is tough because my wife is a partner in the business. So she handles a lot of the operational side of things. My daughter, my eldest daughter, she's 22. She also handles all of our social media and, and that sort of side of the business. So sometimes when I hear them talking about something, I'm like, what'd you say? What was that? Who? What? Yeah, stay out of it. It's not your job kind of thing. You know? It's tough when they're, they're working in the freaking house with you, dude. It's hard. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I just make sure that I keep my nose out of stuff that I shouldn't be getting involved with, or I try anyway. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. So a couple of things. One, you've obviously built a business around virtual assistance, yeah. but you said you have your wife and then you have your daughter and I'm sure some other people that are there, at least locally with you. How Do you think that people nowadays can build an entire empire similar to what you've done being completely virtual or do you Absolutely. think that you what about having, well, what's virtual? Is virtual like in your same town or is virtual in different companies, but you could still build it? Virtual well, for me is anywhere in the world, mm. plain and simple. And this is why I like the idea of working with virtual staff or remote staff, whatever label you want to put on it. It's still the same thing. They work for you. And by the way, this is not freelancers. Okay. I don't look as if at a freelancer as a member of my team. A freelancer is a service provider, plain and simple. Right. So, in my mind, anyway, other people might have different opinions, but that's one man's opinion. So, I'm talking about my team members, people that work for me full time. I pay them a full time wage. They've got medical coverage, they've got dental plans, they've got pension, you know, contributions. Genuine team members. I have them literally all around the world, all around the world. And the beautiful thing about this is that we are not, or we're no longer forced into or pigeonholed into geographical constraints when it comes to finding the right people for the role for which we're hiring for. Like, like, A lot of people say, oh, where's, where is the best place to find, for example, a graphic designer? Well, no, you're asking the wrong question. Where can I find where can I find the best graphic designer? It's not where's the best place, where's the best mm. country, where's the best territory? Because there are amazing graphic designers all around the world. It's right. all about finding the right person for you, your business, your mission, your customers, and your you know overall focus. And that's the beautiful thing about it. So absolutely, a business can 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 be set up from the outset and built and grow. 100% remotely, 
no doubt in my mind about it. In fact, actually, the virtual Starfinder team started out in the Philippines all in one location. They used to come to the office every single day. Now everybody's home-based. Everyone, management, right the way down to recruiting specialists, all home-based and they're splattered all over the Philippines. They're still all Philippines-based because that's what that business is. But ultimately, they're all completely virtual now. Got it. And the second question that I wanted to ask is, do all or at least those eight people when you first started, were they all reporting to you or did you then decide to have like one brand manager and they all reported to that one person? No, yeah. From the outset, that's a very good question. And from the outset, it was quite clear who was going to be reporting to who. So for example, recruit, I think recruiting training and IT reported to my wife and still report to my wife because she's head of operations. Um, And then I had our marketing assistant, I had our sales director, and I had our general manager reporting to me. And that's still the case as well. Now, there are other people that then report to those individuals that I have very little, if not no interaction with at all. Last year, me and my wife flew from Cambridge here in England over to uh, the Philippines for our Christmas party. Our staff didn't know we were coming over. We missed it the year before because it was the year that we moved back to the UK. And so we didn't want to miss it two years in a row. So we just turned up uninvited to our own company party. And it was amazing. And when I went back, you know, I'm in this huge ballroom in, in Cebu City in the Philippines, 300 plus people in this room. I probably knew the names of 20 people. I kid Mm. you not. Kid you not. And and then I have to get up on stage and give this end of year motivational speech and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to wing this kind of thing because I I haven't really met the vast, you know, 95% of the people that work for me. I don't know them. But actually, that's fine with me because the 20 people or so that I do know personally, they're the ones then that are going ahead and managing everybody else and making sure that everybody gets the best of them. So uh, it's a good setup, man. It's a good setup. Yeah. It wasn't always, but it is now. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's good to know because I think I've had those conversations as well. And when you first talk about, I got to release, but if they're all reporting to you, it's still a lot of your time and you're still trying to- it's still the you bottleneck. Know. You're yeah. still the bottleneck at that point. Even if you've got other people and they're still coming to you, when all these people are-, are, are reporting back to you on all these individual aspects of your business. When are you going to run the business? When are you going to grow the business? You can't because you're still trapped working inside it. You don't have any time to work on it. And so it's important to uh, compartmentalize those individual aspects. Yeah. Now you said, you know, you're an avid reader, right? You listen to audio books and and you love to read. And I see all the books in your background right now. And I'm sure anybody else. Oh, they go way up into the rafters of the house and around the corner and everything. I've got hundreds of books. Uh, What's been over the last, let's even say three years, because obviously there's been a lot of growth for you over these last three years for a lot of people running businesses. Has there been one book that you've said, wow, this has had a profound impact in the last three years on the way that I do business and the way that I've built my brand? It's a tough one. Love it. I I think one that I read just recently, it's called uh, Fix This Next by my good buddy, Mike Michalowicz. What I loved about that book, it, it, it was that it was so simple, but it, it has the ability to have such a massively profound effect 
on the growth of any business just by making it more simple, by bringing it down to priorities, ultimately. A great book. Fix this, yeah, a really good book. And I'm, it's not a new book, but it's, it's a very old book, but it's a book that I read literally every single year, and it's See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. Uh, Zig Ziglar, I never met. Uh, I have uh, spoken uh, and hung out with his son on a number of occasions, but uh, I've uh, never met Zig. Uh, and he's obviously no longer with us now. But that particular book, I remember, you know, it's a checkup from the neck up. Are you serious? Is that in the subtitle of the book? I'm buying the book. Give me the book. And so see what the top is just oh, such a good book, dude. I mean, it's just every, regardless of how long ago it was written now, I don't know how many years ago. I think the first printing was in the 60s, I think. But it's still just one of those books I just devour cover to cover every single year. So without a doubt, see you at the top. 100% required reading for everybody that wants to build great opportunities into their life, whether it's as a boss of their own business or as an employee of somebody else's. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of good books out there, man. A lot of good yeah. books. Yeah, and that's the first time I have to read that. That's the first time that I've ever, and you, no, no one's ever mentioned that book before. So I definitely put it on my list every time I it's hear it. It's an old book. It's an old book. And I'm a big Zig fan. So that's, that's there as well, right? It's like, it's like the ceremonious you know, yearly uh, screening of Enter the Dragon, you know, with you know, the surround sound and the popcorn. And you know, like, I love Bruce. So right. I'm going to do that every year as well kind of thing yeah every time i and see i never i've read i want to say one zig ziglar book but for me every time i hear zig ziglar mentioned it always brings to my mind jim Rohn, who i'm I, what zig is to you i'm sure jim Rohn is to me very possibly an, and, and it's so it's not the uh, revolutionized information right it's nothing that's out but the way that they say it right? and the right. things and the way that it hits your heart it. there's, there's so it. many things right like one of the things that I always say when I start to complain is don't wish that the, the load was lighter. I wish right. that your back was stronger. Things like that, it's okay. okay. You, you always got to put things into perspective because a lot of the problems that we have, no matter what you're going through, you can always look at someone else who probably has it a little bit worse than you, sometimes a lot Absolutely. worse than you. And a lot of people who had it worse than you that are now taking the same cards and that are winning in their situation. Absolutely. And there's something also about, I think those older guys, they have a lot of experience. They've got a lot of life experience as well. And Zig, for me, Zig was just, Zig was doing stuff as well back in the day. Like he had his seminars and, and speeches put on the vinyl. Like actually one of my community members gave me for my birthday a couple of years ago, a signed Zig Ziglar record. Wow. Like a violent, like, and I'm like, this is great. And there was something about the way he would tell his stories. And you know, I'm probably going to butcher the Alabama accent now, but it was like, you didn't have anything in life that you want. And all that, like, this, this is Zig, man. Like, it's hard right. not to fall in love with a person that speaks so frankly, but with so much poetry thrown in. It's hard not to want to listen to that person over and over again. 
And the information is always evergreen and it just feels so relevant. So that's why it's like, wow, they were talking about this in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. And it's still relevant today because mindset, it's always going to be a challenge. And we all go through what's called the imposter syndrome. And I think that's a perfect segue into the next one, because I want to know, do you ever suffer? Now you've built multiple seven-figure businesses, right? You speak all over the world. You have high networks, everything. So when people see you now, they say, oh, he's already got it all made. Do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? Do you ever feel like you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing? Not now, not anymore. And I think that does come with a little bit. And I I don't want to sound like like a douche all of a sudden, but it's like, I think you've, I think, I think once you've, gotten a certain amount of success under your belt regardless and by the way that word success means totally different things to everybody right like it's you can't compartmentalize that but i think that i know for a fact eight nine years ago i had imposter syndrome absolutely Mm -hmm. i'd look at guys like tim ferris and say I can write good blog posts. Why aren't I getting 300 comments on my blog posts? I'm only getting 20. It's that vanity metric thing kicks in as well. I like to use Twitter. Why am I not verified? Right? Like Mm. I am now, but I wasn't back in those days. All these little things. And I think a lot of the time, those vanity metrics play actually a very big part in imposter syndrome. And I've helped some of my coaching clients get over that as well and focus on their thing, not what other people are doing. Here's the thing. You cannot, you should not compare your 10th step to somebody else's 70th, 80th, 200th, mm. whatever it is. They got more, they got more steps on the road. Right. They're already ahead of you because they started before you. You shouldn't be comparing yourself. You know, that and that at the core of of it that's what imposter syndrome really is so yeah i had issues with it before particularly when i got more active online 2011 12 13 for sure absolutely i i would have handled you know those sort of types of feelings from time to time but now i don't and i think it's maybe one because i have achieved a lot of the goals that i set out to achieve in terms of you know speaking on great stages publishing books you know all that kind of stuff which was all great goals to have and i hit them and they mean a lot to me every single one of those goals mean a lot to me but i think also you you balance that you know those levels of achievements quite nicely with the fact that actually you know what it's not just about stuff like i'm older now like i understand it i i get it a lot easier and to go back to our basketball analogy one of the one of the best and there's a lot of great basketball uh, documentaries out there one of my favorite ones is the larry bird one the, the larry and magic one a courtship mm. of rivals i think it's called or something where they're both talking about how they would, you know, look at each other you know, from college all the way through to the pros, et cetera, and how Larry would get up in the morning and look at the sports section of, of, the, of the newspaper and say, holy crap, Magic dropped 36 last night. Well, I got to do better than that tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, although there, there was a rivalry, there, there's maybe even a little bit of imposter syndrome going on there as well, possibly. Right. So I think it's a big issue. And particularly nowadays with younger folks, people like yourself, you know, that millennial crowd, my, uh, my eldest son is 24, my eldest daughter is 22. I've got an 11 year old, I've got a three, you know, a three year old. And, and I, I generally see it. And I think social media has a 
big part to play in this, a big part to play in it. Um, I just had a conversation with my son just a couple of days ago about YouTubers. And he said, oh, that YouTuber's, he's a noob. He's a noob, that YouTuber. He's only got 8,000 subscribers. This guy's got 30 million or whatever it was. I'm like, 8,000 people is a lot of people, dude. It is. You bring them all around here. We can't fit them in the house, I guarantee. It's a lot of people subscribe to that dude's channel. And the 30 million guy, he had 8,000 subscribers seven, eight years ago, whatever it is. So I think it's an issue. It is a bit of an issue. But no, I don't struggle with it anymore, but I certainly have done. Yeah, that's and I want to make sure that we shine light back on what you said, because I think that's huge for anyone to hear. And that is you cannot compare your 10th step to someone else's 17th step, because even myself, I'm just like you said. And and here's what it brought back to, especially when you brought up the basketball analogy. And I remember I'm a huge Duke fan. Right. So Jay Williams was one of my guys growing up. And then he went to the NBA, played for the Bulls before he had that motorcycle accident. But I remember and it wasn't too long ago. He went on Instagram and he talked about a story that uh, basically a time that he had with Kobe Bryant when he first got into the league. And he said there, I think they're about to play the Lakers. And basically he got to the gym. Kobe was already there. He then finishes up his workout. Kobe's still going. And he was like, and I think he wound up going back and asking him like, why were you working? So he was like, I didn't want you to ever think that you would have an edge on me. It is that comparison thing because then Mm -hmm. you take that and you do it for the next and you're always comparing whether it's up or down. And and sometimes that can be used as fuel and you can become a mamba, but sometimes that can be detrimental. And I think that it always comes down to self-discipline, self-awareness, right? To know here's who I am rather than always trying to focus on other people because yeah, it is a big comparison game in social media and YouTube and my son's in the same thing. That's the same. That's the one thing you always ask me every kid yeah every kid wants to be a youtuber nowadays I'm right like, cj like, does too for crazy. sure it's it's crazy right. but that that man i'm so glad that you said that and i hope someone hears it and i hope that they say wow okay let me just understand that i'm right where i need to be right now as long as i keep putting in the work that i need to do i'm okay consistency is everything like make no no doubt about it like you show up two times a week for your tribe online what, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's a, an Instagram live or a, yeah. a Facebook live or a blog post or a podcast, like what you're doing, like just show up consistently, become somebody's favorite. If you do that, the, the win will come your way. You might not even see it coming at you, but ultimately the consistency will create that win for you at some point. Absolutely. Is looking back at your journey, and it's been a magnificent one as you've described to us already. If there was one thing that you could have changed to accelerate your dream, obviously it's always a progression. But what's that one thing that you think that if you would have just took heed or implemented sooner, it would have helped to accelerate your path? Without a doubt, hands down, I would have gotten myself involved in a mastermind group a lot earlier. Uh, masterminds for me have been the biggest, the biggest needle mover in my business. And when I say masterminds, I mean masterminds led by a coach, a mentor of some variety. I'm blessed to be you know, running two myself now, but that wasn't always the case. So I've invested, dude, I've invested 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in being at the right tables or at the right events or at the right dinners uh, in terms of travel and hotels and fees and all that kind of stuff. Without a doubt, hands down, I would have surrounded myself with my peers and even those one step, two step higher up than I am already way, way earlier in my career, even before starting businesses myself. If I'd have known the power of doing that and not wanting to keep things right close to my chest all the time, I'd be in, I'm doing fine, don't get me wrong, but I'd be in a whole different stratosphere if I started doing that a lot earlier than I did, for sure. Mm. That's something, it's so funny because everybody's, that's the new power word. Everybody wants to mastermind. Do you think that is there, because the information is not revolutionary, do you think that there's value in these high level masterminds? Or would you say, because if you could go get Chris Ducker, but Chris Ducker's mastermind might be 50000 or $100,000. Would you say that it, it's definitely essential if you can to invest that? Or would you say, listen, if you don't have that, just go get a, a couple group of friends that are right where you are and try to create your own. If you, can't, if you can't afford it, yes, absolutely. Do it yourself. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. And I absolutely believe you should do it. That's how I got started with it. 2011, 2012, I'd get together whenever I was in the United States, um, usually going for a conference or maybe right at the beginning, like my speaking and things like that. I would do the event and I'd stick around for another couple of days. And there'd be three or four of us that would all get together and mastermind just for an entire day. And you know, through the years, I've sat, I've sat down with people like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and all these guys have been very good friends now, very close friends of mine. But a lot of the time I would have just met them via that environment as well. And I, I quote those two guys just as examples. But yeah, I, mean, I think the most important thing is when you're investing in a mastermind, when you're actually paying for access into somebody's program, the investment isn't as important as making sure that mentor or that coach or that group is the right group for you. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, it's a personal journey. Like you've got to try and balance it all up in terms of time, in terms of investment level, in terms of what your problems are right now and what kind of solutions you want to be served up to you. I've been a member of a number of high-end masterminds over the years, all actually for very different types of reasons as I look back on them now. And I think that once you find that one person or that two people that you really connect with, you tend to just stay with them. Because if, if there's one thing I do know from doing all, all the things I've done in regards to masterminds and, and you know, brainstorming sessions and afternoons and retreats and all that kind of stuff, here's the thing. And this is the, the, the big thing here above and beyond everything else. And it is that we don't actually need more ideas. We don't actually need more content even. What we actually really, truly, honestly need is more support and more accountability. We need someone to hold our feet to the fire when it comes to setting and getting our goals, plain and simple. And it's very hard to hold your own feet to the fire. You will wriggle free because it's going to hurt, plain and simple. So you want someone else to hold your feet to the fire for you. And when you say, I'm going to do this next quarter, in the next quarter, I'm going to launch this, I'm going to make this much, I'm going to affect this much change. When the next quarter comes about, and you're sitting there at the retreat, and someone says, so last uh, quarter, Chris, you said you were going to do this and this, how have you done? You don't want to look like the lazy SOB that did absolutely nothing. Right. And that, that accountability is 
everything. That's what you pay for, quite frankly. Uh, that and the network of people around you. Nine times out of 10, that's what it's down to. Man, such valuable information. There's somebody out there right now that's listening to this that's so inspired by you and they want to blaze a path similar to what you've done, right, but right. they have that little voice in their head and that little voice says that they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would say to that person to get them to just take action? Stop listening to yourself. You're full of crap. That's what I would say to them. That's the, uh, honestly, that's that imposter syndrome creeping in right there. And it's like anything. It's like if you want things that you've never had before, you've got to do things that you've never done before. That I know that, that much without a doubt is 100% true. I would agree. And so if you, keep, if you keep listening to yourself and allowing yourself to ultimately not take action, not only is it a shame because you won't ever achieve what you truly honestly feel you're called to achieve and do in your life, but more importantly, the people that you would have come into contact with, you wouldn't have been able to affect change for them. And that's truly what the call is for entrepreneurs, right? for all the great entrepreneurs around the world. They're doing things to better other people's lives. Yeah, they're making money out of it, but ultimately that's what that at the core of every entrepreneur is that problem solver. And if you stop yourself from doing what you feel like you were called to do, you can never affect change in other people's lives because you didn't start it. You didn't get it going. There you have it. For anyone who wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? I'm a bit of an Instagram fan. You know, if you'd have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said Twitter, but now I, I kind of like the Instagram feed. So at Chris Ducker on Instagram, hit me up in the DMs. Let me know that you found me right here on this show. And uh, yeah, ChrisDucker.com, all the links over there on my personal site as well. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that we have all of those links in the show notes. My man, I want to say thank you. This has been such an inspirational, such a motivational podcast. And I think that anybody who's listening to this, if they don't do exactly what you said, and one, not compare themselves, but two, get that imposter syndrome and just figure out who are the people that can help you get to your goal even faster. then I think they're doing a disservice to themselves and of course, the people around them. So I want to be the first one to kick it off and say thank you remember dream nation and the dream we trust but we got to take that action otherwise it will only merely be a fantasy we'll catch you on the next one that's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.